0: Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm trying something new this week. I typically use my closet as my recording studio, um, but it's really uncomfortable in there. (laughs) Um, I know the acoustics are good, but I have to like sit on the floor and prop up my computer and find a place for the microphone and have the microphone on a boom and it's this whole thing. So anyway, I thought I'm just going to try doing this in my office and see how it is. I did a little test. It sounded okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and do this. If it's echoey, if it's terrible, then next week we'll go back to the closet, but figure I'd try it out. So today we're going to talk about what to do when you think you don't know how to do something. This was a big theme for me when I was first starting my coaching business. I'd never done anything like this before. My coach certification program was six months long. And while I was going through the program, I conveniently kept putting off thinking about what exactly I was going to do when I was done. I knew I wanted to help doctors affected by burnout, but I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to go about making that happen. I think I've mentioned here before the two things I was certain of when I started coach certification were one, I never want to run a business, and two, I never want to have a podcast. Oh, life is funny sometimes. But anyway, before I knew it, my training was done, I had passed my written and practical exams, and I was certified. So now what? Well, the coaching program I chose for certification offers its coaches a ton of resources, so I started working my way through those. There was a lot of general content about various (laughs) topics, but the nuts and bolts types of specifics didn't seem to be there. And then I came across some videos where they specifically said, we're not going to spoon feed you this stuff. You need to get out there and figure it out yourself. Well, at the time, I was sort of deflated by this. I still think the actual wording and the way it was delivered were a bit harsh, but they certainly got their point across. So there I was just starting to decide what I wanted my business to be and realizing that I would need to build a website and realizing I'd need to do a podcast and finding out that my primary resource was not going to help me with either of those. I think I spent a good month or two wallowing in the belief that I don't know how to do any of this. The interesting thing in retrospect is how selective our brains can be at telling us this kind of story. If you're anything like me, you've had plenty of times that you came across a task that you didn't quite know how to tackle, then just put in the effort and figured out how to do it without any drama. And also plenty of times when you've told yourself you can't because you don't know how. For those times when we feel paralyzed, here are some examples of the types of thoughts that might be driving the narrative. Thoughts that hold us back could be things like, I don't know how, I'll do it wrong. I don't know what the right way is. It will take me too long to figure it out on my own. I'll just make mistakes. My work won't be good enough. I need help and no one will help me. If I don't get this right, it will be a failure. I can't. Someone else will have to do it. I mean, if you're believing one or more of those to be true, of course you're going to feel paralyzed. Now, there are lots of ways to turn that narrative around, and some are not so beneficial in the long run. Fear can be a powerful motivator. When I was an intern, if there was something you said you couldn't do, we had an attending who would scream at us and make us do it. I remember coming out of a laboring patient's room one time and saying I couldn't break the bag. He yelled at me to go back in the room and not come out until I broke the bag. So yeah, I figured it out but it certainly wasn't a positive learning experience. I did manage to get some confidence out of it, but that strategy definitely could have backfired. The other fear motivating example in obstetrics is the one I talked about in episode 26, which was about confidence. That when you're the attending obstetrician, you have to get the baby out. It doesn't matter how bad the adhesions are or how high the BMI is or how tired or scared you are, you're not leaving that OR table until the baby is out and you're going to do everything in your power to do it as quickly and safely as possible. In that episode, I told the story of telling a graduating senior who was struggling that I wasn't going to take over and then she immediately got the baby out. But what drove her in that situation wasn't really fear. She knew perfectly well I would bail her out promptly if she really needed it. It was the inability to pass the responsibility to someone else, which, come to think of it, could have been the approach of the attending who screamed at us when I was an intern. He could have told me, we're going to go in the room, I'm going to break the bag, and I'm going to stay there with you until you do it. But yeah, that was not his style. So anyway, the point is, Things like fear may be strong motivators, but they should probably have a very limited role when we're talking about learning. It's really difficult to learn something when you're terrified. So, like all things in coaching, it's important to understand why you need to figure certain things out for yourself. First, if you figure something out for yourself rather than someone giving you detailed instructions, you will understand the process a whole lot better because you have to. This means you aren't beholden to anyone anytime you have a new question or a new idea. You know where to find the information. You know how to make things work. Second, if you figure it out yourself, you're going to do things the way you want them to be, which means you have no one else to blame when you decide you don't like how things are going and need to change something. And it means no one else gets the credit when things turn out well. Obviously, the second part of that sentence sounds good. Who wouldn't want to take credit for something going well? But the first part is actually a good thing too. Trust me. If you have this idea that you're somehow following someone else's plans or rules and you don't like the outcome, it's really easy to sort of absolve yourself of all responsibility and fail to learn from it. It's easy to tell yourself, well, I can't do this because I don't have the skill they have or the resources they have. Or this plan is too hard for me or whatever. But if you're creating something yourself, yes, you're the one to blame if it doesn't turn out well, but it also means that you have complete power and control to make changes as you please. So in terms of me starting my business, it meant a fair amount of trial and error with a lot of things. But since I did it all myself, I understand exactly what's going on behind the scenes of my website and my podcast because I'm the one who set them up. Which leads me to the most important reason to figure things out for yourself, in my opinion anyway, which is that it reinforces the power of being a self-sufficient adult. Now, I happen to think that being self-sufficient is a great thing, and it's not the same thing as signing up to always do everything for yourself. Far from it. Knowing exactly how and why to do things doesn't mean you can't also delegate them. So here's an example of how refusing to be self-sufficient can come back to bite you. One time I was teaching department chairs a new EMR workflow. Now remember, I'm in academic medicine, so all of the chairs have residents and medical students, and lots of them also have fellows. So when we're talking about workflows, like nitty-gritty things, chances are pretty high that it's going to be a resident actually doing those things on a day-to-day basis, not the attending. At least, not most of the time. Most folks had some reasonable questions and reservations, but eventually came around once those were addressed. But one didn't. One chair told me in some very colorful and specific language what they thought of the suggestion that they should understand how a new workflow works so that they could explain it to and promote it to their department. To paraphrase, it was something along the lines of, I'm far too busy and important to learn something like this and you insult me by even suggesting it. If we skip to the end of that story, That department never really got the new workflow off the ground, and the downstream consequence is that they're now scrambling to catch up when it could have been second nature to them by now. So my first impulse when the doctor who was too busy and important to learn this said I was insulting them by suggesting it was to write off that person as arrogant and entitled. But if you look at this through the lens of most people are decent and reasonable, so why would a decent and reasonable person talk and behave this way? here are some possible thoughts they might be thinking. Yes, they might be thinking things like, this is beneath me, this is a waste of my time, people who are less important than me should be doing this. But it could also be things like, this sounds hard, or I would have to put a lot of energy into learning this. Or people don't like change, and I don't have the energy to make my department accept this. Or I don't feel like learning it myself, and if I try to promote it without understanding it, I might get embarrassed. And of course, there was probably an element of, maybe if I ignore it, it will go away. So those are all pretty normal things to be thinking, right? Not too dissimilar to my thoughts when I was trying to figure out how on earth to run a business and create a podcast. Very normal human thoughts to have when confronted with something new. I'm not faulting them for it at all. Pre-coaching me probably approached a lot of situations this way. It probably would have saved their department a lot of grief if that person had handled it differently, but that's not my journey. And if we want our journeys to be more positive, we can look at those thoughts that were holding us back and come up with some better choices. Instead of, I don't know how, how about, I've never done this before, but I can certainly learn how. This is where I'm going to remind you that you're a doctor. Think about how many things you've learned in your life. You are objectively outstanding at learning new things. Instead of, I don't know what the right way is, challenge yourself with, fine, but how would you figure that out? Or if you did know, what do you think it might be? And yes, I hate that question, but I can't argue it's effective. Instead of, I'll do it wrong, how about, there are plenty of right ways of doing this. Instead of, it will take me too long to figure it out on my own, how about, I'm an expert in looking for solutions. Come on, think of how quickly you can search a clinical problem on PubMed or UpToDate or Google Scholar and find exactly what you're looking for you can certainly look up all sorts of things too. Instead of, I'll just make mistakes, how about, I'll make mistakes and that's a good thing because you can't really learn everything without making mistakes. Also, that's life. We make mistakes. It's okay. Instead of, my work won't be good enough, how about, there's no such thing as perfect. I'll figure out what's good enough to suit my definition and I reserve the right to revise that later. Instead of, I need help and no one will help me, how about if I think I need help, I'll first make a decent effort to learn what I can on my own, and then I'll ask an expert for help. That's what we'd all want if someone was coming to us as a content expert, right? If someone comes to you with a question related to an area in which you have expertise and their approach is, okay, I figured out X and Y, but I still need help with Z, that's someone I'm pretty excited to help, aren't you? Instead of, if I don't get this right, it will be a failure, how about, it might take some trial and error, but that's not the end of the world. I'll try as many times as I need to. And instead of, I can't, someone else will have to do it. Well, here's where a little tough love might be useful. Now's a good time to tell yourself, no, there isn't anyone else. You can and you will. You're a doctor. You do hard things all the time. That's it for today. Your homework for this week is to pay attention when you're feeling like there's something you're resisting learning, whether it's how something works, how to do something, whatever. Ask yourself questions until you find out why you're resisting it. Then put in the work and figure it out. Thanks for joining me today. See you back next time. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.